Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Holy Donuts Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Lombardi, joined today with Seth Hens. Seth is the Director of Brand and Marketing for Lutheran Bible Translators. Based in St. Louis, you are at least, Seth. Is where's, where's Lutheran Bible Translators? Like, where's home base for them? Is it St. Louis as well? So it's about three hours west of St. Louis, smack dab in the center of Missouri, Concordia, Missouri. Yes, Concordia, Missouri. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, thanks for joining me today, man. Really, really excited to hop in and hear a little bit more about your story and some of your experience working with ministries. Absolutely. Yeah, so I am born and raised Lutheran, came up through Lutheran Church, Missouri, and then my dad's a pastor, grandpa's a pastor, uncles are pastors. And so I was just in it from, from the very beginning. I came up through the grade schools, the high schools, and eventually one of the universities. And I've just been living and breathing it ever since. Pretty early on, knew that I wasn't going to be one of those pastors. But, you know, I recently had to think back of like, what was one of those pivotal moments in your life? And I can only ever like recall like vivid memories of my dad being in the pulpit and just like making eye contact with every person in the church. And I was just like, my dad is passionate about this and he loves people. And, you know, seeing we've, we've sat at gas stations for an hour just because he struck up conversations with people inside. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like yeah. see, seeing him like be up in the pulpit and then walk the, the talk like out in the community was just like, okay, something here is meaningful. He loves yeah. sharing Jesus and yeah. I, whatever I can do to help the church, to help ministries, I'm going to do that. And so that really shaped a lot of my, my life and my career. That's awesome, man. And so how long have you been with Lutheran Bible Translators? I just started last February, so a little under a year now. So okay. February before that, you were doing some marketing stuff, right? From the, the LinkedIn internet sleuthing I did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My full CV over there. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I started in, as a web media director, came up doing some copy stuff for one of our Lutheran universities, ended up working for a district for the Lutheran church, which is like a diocese yeah. regional thing up in Michigan. Um, and it was, I did eight and a half years there. And so it was during that time where we were helping about 300 plus churches up there that I realized we are totally equipped to care for people. We are under equipped to reach people and connect with people in the digital space. Yeah. And it was about in that, in that time period where I realized I really need to lean in here and I need to help churches. I need to work one-on-one -on -one with them. And the more I'm at the district, I'm existing more and more in theory. And so I really needed to get to the ground, the ground floor, the front lines. And so during that time, my wife, Rachel, and I, we were praying about, okay, what's next? What are we supposed to do? And I ended up, we took a call to a church down in St. Louis, and that's what brought us here. And so for four and a half years, I was working with one of the larger churches in, in the Lutheran church, taking them through a name change, but then also marketing strategies and trying to reach out to the community in new ways. And so that's really what got me started down this road that eventually led me to LBT. But yeah, I, I would say it was, it was during that transition time that I also started looking for something that was more repeatable, something that made more sense to me when it came to marketing and communication. Yeah. And that led me to StoryBrand, which I, I know some folks have talked about yeah, on the podcast before. And so when I found that, I eventually had to keep going. And then 2019, I became a guide and then was a guide up until last year. And so now I'm just living and breathing it for Lutheran Bible translators. That's so cool, man. Yeah. And there's, there is that, I think, instinct for a lot of folks who are in church comps, which is awesome. But if, if you're anything like I was when I was doing church comp stuff, 
it feels like everything you create is a one-off project. It's like, okay, cool. We created this one time and now we put it on the shelf and I'll never use that again. Right. Right. Whereas when you're working with a ministry that touches a lot of other ministries, you can create something one time and, oh, well now this becomes a repeatable rhythm. Or if you're doing, you know, working on marketing for like donor communications or outreach or campaigns, like right. when you create something, you know, okay, now I've created something that we can, this is an engine, right? Like that we can right. keep running back over and over again, as opposed to, all right, we did all that work for six weeks and now on to the next thing. And so totally, totally understand yes. that. Yep. Yeah. Are there, you, you spoke a little bit more about being able to do some of the strategy stuff. Are there some strategies or whether it's specific campaigns or principles that you've taken to Lutheran Bible translators that, that have really helped you guys kind of take it to the next level? Yeah, I think, I think story is the whole thing. One of the, I mean, I know we're gonna talk about trends and stuff like that coming up, but lots of ministries and nonprofits I know are aware of story and the approach of story brand. A lot of yeah. them don't know how to necessarily translate that to the nonprofit space. Mm. So we've got 136 programs going on around the world right now. And what's a change from maybe when we first started is we started as a missionary organization sending, we were sending people from America over internationally to start programs, keep programs going, get the translations going and all that. What's been happening over the past 10 years and plus is this transition to the local team, the local team taking ownership and driving the project yeah. forward and Lutheran Bible translators stepping back to a consultant role. And so what's important about that when it comes to story and really for any ministry is we have to make sure that we're telling the story in a way that the main character of the story is not us. It's not what we're doing. It's the people that we're serving and what yeah. they want. And so if you're familiar with StoryBrand, you really have to spend a lot of time thinking about who your beneficiaries are and what it is that they want out of life, what it is that they're trying to accomplish that you can support through your uh, ministry or nonprofit. Yeah. And what you need to spend time on is not framing it in a, things aren't going to happen if we don't do anything. Yeah. You really have to spend on time and say, are we affirming dignity? Are mm -hmm. we spending time and saying these people have full lives, they're fully capable of all these things, yeah. but we can help accelerate that. And we can help come alongside and keep shape for it because yeah. of our experience. We've been doing this translation thing for 60 years now, so we can provide some insight. But yeah. the most ownership and the, the way it's going to drive and be successful is if the local team owns it. Yeah. And so we, whichever ministry you're in, whether you're in ours or not, you have to spend time talking about their story and about what God's word is going to mean for them in their lives. And even having a step before that, a lot of these languages don't, they don't have a written language. They're yeah. existing in oral languages. And so a lot of them don't think they can even have a written language because how does that even work? And so yeah. being able to walk alongside them and start to work through that process and show them that actually your language can be preserved and put in the written form, they see a brand new sense of empowerment. And yeah. again, that dignity of just saying like, this, we matter enough to somebody across the world that they would come in and walk alongside with us in order to preserve our heritage, our traditions, who we are, yeah. and really honor the language. And so if anything, I would just say, when you're telling stories, are you affirming people's dignity that you're serving and telling their story well? And so that's what we spend yeah. a lot of time on. 
Yeah. And this is interesting to me because it's like you have your beneficiaries, but then how do you, how do you help in some ways tell the story and educate your donors, right? The benefactors, I guess it might be sure, on sure. why that sort of dignity based approach is the right way to do it. Right. Like why we, we do ministry in this way, why we don't just say, yeah, we'll come and do all the work for you. Can you speak a little bit more to how, how you educate the donors on that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So what we do is we, we tell their story and we, there's a certain part of the story where the donor actually comes in. Yeah. We try to tell a story of they are fully capable. They can do this thing. Here's why they want it. Here's the problems that they're facing. That's keeping them from getting yeah. it. Here's where they're looking for a consultant to come in. And this is where we have experience and here's what the process is going to look like. And once you get through that part of the story, that's when we say we can turn to the donor and say, you have an opportunity to one, pray for these people Two, now that you see their story, if you donate to that, if you donate to this particular project, this is the specific problem that you're going to be helping to address. And you're going to be helping them, not just with an influx of money, but you're going to be helping them buy the materials that they need. They're you're going to help buy the, the computers, the printers, all the different things so that yes, they can do it, but you're going to help accelerate that. And out of that, they're going to have God's word. They're going to have a written language. They're going to have the power of being able to hold God's word in their own language and not have to lean on anybody else. And being able to have that access is going to give people just the sense of hope of life. And it's really going to help transform people's lives. And so when people yeah. can see that I can help that story progress without stripping anybody of their dignity, yeah, that, that's how we make the connection. That's massive. That's massive. I love that, man. Well, hey there, Holy Donuts listeners. Ever feel like your nonprofit's donor experience is like a jelly-filled donut with no jelly? Well, don't fret. We found the jelly to your donut dilemma. Enter WeGive, the software tool that's like the cream filling to your eclair, or should I say the glaze to your donut. With WeGive, you're not just taking a donation, you're rolling out a red carpet for every person who gives to your organization. And with WeGive, you get an incredible donor portal, events, pledges, surveys, segmentation, on and on we could go on the features. And those checkouts though, smoother than my attempt to make homemade donuts, which let's just say didn't quite rise to the occasion. See what I did there? With WeGive's innovative engagement tools, your donors won't just feel the love, they'll be coming back for a second because nothing says thanks for your dough better than a world-class experience. So if you want to sprinkle some extra special magic on your donor relationships, check out wegive.com. So as you look out and you see like the, your framework for storytelling that you guys have used at Lutheran Bible Translators, yeah. are there trends that you see in Christian nonprofit land that are concerning to you and then maybe some that are exciting to you? Yeah. So the, the one that maybe I'm nervous about it because maybe some of you have sent these to me. I don't know. So <laughs> I, I really struggle, and this is me personally, I really struggle with getting a mailer near the end of year that is full color, beautiful envelope, beautiful materials in the inside, but then it like is very shock value verbiage and how you're phrasing things. And it's like, if this person doesn't get $12, they're going to face 
yeah. know, maybe even certain, you know, like yeah, certain death, right? Yeah, like, certain death. I'm and not, it's just I like, have a whole swipe folder of them, like file cabinet here. Yeah. I collect. And I'm just like, every time I receive one of those, I hold it up and I'm like, why did you send this to me? That person is like on the verge of death. And like, you're sending yeah. me this material. Don't spend $3 to send me this thing. Clearly this yeah. is an emergency. And yeah. so when I see that kind of like shock value and everything's an emergency, it's just, it's red flags for me to say like, you're not really telling me the real story because if that was the real story, you wouldn't be sending, spending $3 per envelope on this right, thing. Right. And so I feel like that shock value starts to wear people down and eventually it may work for a few campaigns, but eventually people are going to get exhausted on that. And yeah. so if we all continue to do that, kind of just like emergency, 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 eventually the donor base across the board is going to start to say, I, I don't know if I can handle it anymore. It's too much. Yeah. And so I think yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it hooks you on the donor acquisition cycle too, right? Because yeah. if, if you're constantly turning through them, you're not retaining those people. You know, one of the things that like one of the kind of platitudes that we like to say for our clients and for us internally is like how you get them is how you keep them. And so if you get them with shock value, then you inevitably have to shock them more and more right. into ever actually continuing to give, which is just not a long-term play for donor retention. Okay. And, you know, if everyone's doing that, you can just imagine what kind of a toxic cycle that pulls. So a hundred percent, like it's gotta be something that's like that shock value. I'm right there with you. I collect those files for a reason. Cause I want to be able to say, Hey, can we not do this anymore? <laughs> can we not do this? Yeah. Yeah. And so do I. So I have like a pile over on my desk right here. Yep. It's like, yep. oh, gosh. And it's a reminder to me, like, it's not about the emergency. It's the dignity and it's the process. And yeah. we can walk yeah. along people and make an impact. So on the, on the flip side, one of the positive things I see was really born out of the GoFundMe and uh, Kickstarter and all that. Yeah. What I see for the next generation, I think we all see that, is they want specific like impact. They want to know exactly where their dollars are going. Yep. And what that is forcing us to do as fundraisers is tell very specific stories yep. about and break things down. Because when you say, well, you're giving to a fund that's $400,000, right, right, yeah. people are like, great, but I'm just like throwing mean? a penny in there yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. So what that forces us to do is break those things down so that I and we've had to do this in a few of our campaigns, but break it down from 200,000 down to like that 2000 to 10,000 range. And then specifically say, when you give $2,000, it gives this. And then you can like, is this computer? See this person right. holding this computer? It's that it. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so people really want to see the direct impact of their dollars to make that percentage thing on Go GoFundMe, Kickstarter, go from 75% yeah. to 77%. They want to see so, the needle actually move, yeah. Yeah, and so they want to see that they're making the needle move, and they can't do that if all of our campaigns are a million dollars. And so we have yeah. to get break things down and get more specific, get more personalized. And and so I I love that it's forcing us to be more specific. Yeah, yeah totally. Along with that, one of the I mean, so one of the things that we see with that a lot is agreed with you one hundred percent. There are challenges, obviously, in like the implementation of that, right? Like the more campaigns you have to do, the more of that, like right. the more individualized you're trying to make the donor process, the more complexity, right? Because yep. if you throw everyone into a big bucket, it's easier on your marketing team. It's just right. one email sequence, it's one direct mailer. If you want to do it specific, now all of a sudden we have, 
you know, maybe 30 different micro campaigns running and sometimes our infrastructure isn't designed for that. So any thoughts on like how you build an infrastructure that will allow you to actually do more personalized yeah. campaigns for donors? Yeah. What we've done is that we like at the end of year, everybody has lapsed donors. Yeah. Um, we decided to not do everybody, but to start working in different ways. So we yeah. broke down a group of, you know, thousands of people down to, okay, we're going to try to reach these 2000 people. Yeah. And so when we were able to start segmenting and down to that, we were very specific on our criteria within three years, they live maybe in this area. And we just said, okay, we're going to make it very specific for this group. We're not yeah. going to be, we don't have the capacity to do that for everybody. But what yeah. we're going to do is we're going to try to to uh, reactivate some people who cared about this ministry at one point and yeah. may have just fallen off the radar. And so we spent time just building out. We have our large campaigns, but we built out one campaign. And so instead of shifting to fifth gear, we said we're going to start, we're going to shift into first gear. Great. And so for this lapse campaign, we got very specific on the technology that we were helping to fund. We have this one fund that equips new missionaries and translation yeah. teams with computers and yeah. pays for printers. And we had used all of our granting for 2023 and we need to rebuild it for 2024. Yeah. When you give this, it leads to this. And so we were able to be very specific. We made it specific from our end too. So it wasn't from Lutheran Bible translators. It was from right. our director of development. She has yes. a face. We yeah. tied, she was the one that ended up sending all the emails from her. So we accompanied that. We had a video shot with her specifically making the plea out to those people. And so not only are you connecting with a specific cause where you can see where the dollars are going, but you have a real face to it too. Yeah. So you're not, we're trying to strip away all kind of the, it's just this large unknown organization where a bunch of people work. We're trying to make it very specific. Yeah. And then at the same time, we, we had a, a donor come along and say, we'll do a matching gift on that. And so when all those things combined, we were able to shift into first gear and say, if we were to yeah. do this, what is it going to look like? Yeah. And so I think what scares me a lot and probably what scares some other folks is like, how do we get to this big point where everything's personalized? And yeah. I think the key for us really is just starting with one. Starting just with that one yeah. If we did this, what would it look like? Yeah. And so... So that's what we're doing. We're starting real slow and scale from there. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You just start recamp, right? It's, yep. Hey, let's get started. Let's not use the bigness of it as an excuse to not take action. Just mm -hmm. start with the place where we can start and we'll move from there. And I mean, we'll figure out the problems as they come up, right? Like that's all mm -hmm. you can do is just keep taking a step forward. So right. what are, are there any resources out there that you love to recommend to other people in kind of nonprofit land in the marketing roles, donor engagement roles? Yes, absolutely. So of course, StoryBrand, that's yeah, yeah. what I've been talking about this whole way through. Yeah, yeah. There's two other ones. So we're in a series or a, a season, I should say, of system building at our organization. And what I one of the system approaches that I love is duct tape marketing. They have a, a seven step small business approach and it, and it really easily translates over to what we're doing in the nonprofit world. And so I'll rattle those off real quick. Yes. Yeah, so, Website, number one, yeah. website that builds trust, content platform, blogging, podcasts, all that good stuff. SEO, search engine optimization, social media, reputation management, email marketing, 
and then your pay-per-click advertising, your digital marketing. And so if you're looking to say like, what systems do I need to have in place? These are really the systems that you need to be working on. And reputation management has recently been impactful for us. And so that's going on to Candid or GuideStar, however they want to be referred to right now. And making sure that your profile's as up-to-date as possible, having a recent video. We had somebody go through who was recently looking for, I want to donate to Bible translation, but I don't necessarily know which one. So we had been, we had been working on reputation management and we were, they were able to make a decision based on some of the stuff that we had put up there. And so we had a donor who was not on our radar kind of take a step because we had our reputation management taking steps forward. So duct tape marketing, look at those seven systems. If you're unsure where to start, it's a place to start. That's awesome. Those are great resources. And so if, if folks want to connect with you, if they want to reach out, learn more about Lutheran Bible translators, what's the best way to do that? Are you active on social email? What's the best way? Yeah. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, Seth Hins. Um, and then you could connect with me on Facebook. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. So I'm on all the platforms, but LinkedIn's probably the best way right now. Awesome, man. Seth, thank you so much for joining me today. I learned a ton. I know everyone listening is as well. And really, really excited to see the ways that people are able to take what you talked about and implement this with their nonprofit. So thanks for joining me. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much, Matt. 